Welcome into a new episode of Get Fiddles and Paradiddles. My name is Chris. This is John. And guys, we are excited to be back uh, with some new content. Um, some, mm-hmm. hopefully, some exciting. Some well, I know some exciting stuff because John and I we partook in something together that we yeah we partake in yes partaken in it yeah. together <laughs> and we're definitely Thank wanting you. to to talk about talk about this uh, oh, so, yes. so in this episode we'll dive deep into that but john tell me how's, how's it been going for you the past couple of weeks man good good man just you know same old same uh you know uh, living out here in the out here in the northern uh Metro Atlanta suburbs. Mm. Yeah, you feels know, good. Domestic it? life. Feels you know, good. You know about it too, man. I feel it. I feel it. It feels you good. Too far man. away. Yeah, they're too far away. It feels good. No, it feels just, good up uh, here. I got a lot of church stuff coming up, which is good. I've uh, been playing um, uh, double duties at a couple of church. I've been kind of busy with that, and we've got some, um, some, you know, a little festival show coming up in March, and getting ready for that, and um, you know, just doing doing my thing. How about yourself, sir? About the same. Um, I started teaching a lot more over the past, um, probably last three or four months, been taking on a lot more students. So, um, yeah. So if I, you're in the Atlanta, Georgia area and you want to take drum lessons, come um, on. You can get, you can get us at, uh, get, get fiddles, fiddles and paradiddles. Uh huh. Get fiddles paradiddles at gmail.com. Let me know. Um, but yeah, um, it's just, uh, what's interesting about teaching and something mm-hmm. that I, I had anticipated, but not quite sure. as much as uh, right. the vast expectation, not only for myself, but, you know, that my students have, whether they can vocalize it or not. Um, right. You know, they, they expect for me to be on top of my stuff. And mm-hmm. so it's required me to practice things that I haven't practiced in a long time. Like, you know, oh, just, yeah. you know, sight reading and stuff like that. Yes. So I've been doing Nameless. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, so I've been doing, doing a awesome. lot of that. It's been great. And of course, you know, church, church is the mainstay. I'm very, always very thankful for the church church life uh so it's good man and yeah we got the festival show coming up in march really excited to be back on stage with you yes looking forward to doing that uh hopefully the weather is going to be nice we've been kind of uh it's been raining like gatos yeah. and peros as our <laughs> spanish friends say <laughs> i remember so, this rain from last year because you know we were building yeah. the house and uh-huh. january was a complete I, yeah, stall. i remember i remember you were yeah you guys couldn't get anything done because of the weather yeah and now i feel like that just shifted to february this year so pretty much just crazy yeah i know it's uh, weather's been a coin flip and I, i've been thinking the same thing since we're playing in march it could be warm or it could be cold and windy or maybe raining again yeah i'm, I'm hoping i'm hoping not so hopefully the weather will cooperate but yeah really looking forward to doing that and then uh, got a bunch of a bunch of church stuff coming up myself man doing double duty at uh playing at a couple churches um uh, pretty much throughout the month of march so nice uh yeah man it's um you know it's so weird man it's it's funny how your musical journey shifts right mm-hmm. um so it's one of those things that you know, I think we'll probably discuss in a future podcast is, you know, praise and worship music. Yeah. You know, I don't want to go down rabbit hole cause we got, we got something coming up for you today, but I think it deserves its own kind of episodic journey, if you will. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, it's, it's definitely strange how it shifts around a little bit and, and it's something I struggled with, um, you know, without getting into the weeds, as you, as you said, you know, yeah. just, it's, um, the expectation changes, and I think that yeah. you're right. We, yeah, we definitely totally. should explore uh, more of the the praise and worship side of stuff in, on the on the podcast because there's a, there's a lot of musicians out there, a lot of a lot of friends of mine, and a lot of friends of yours, and 
and not just in Georgia. I mean, it's every single state. It's all over oh, the United yeah, States, man. especially East Coast. So yeah, it's big, man. Yeah. It's big, big, big. So well, John, um, an exciting thing was now announced. Uh, at this point, what do you say? About a month ago, I think so. Yeah, been about a month ago. Yeah. So one of our one of John John and I, we love this band. One of our favorite bands, Raging Against the Machine, has oh, yes. announced a reunion and obviously tour dates. Uh, the big one being the Coachella date. Um, you know they they've been on a nine year hiatus, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you know what? I feel like there's really nothing bad you could say about Rage yeah. Against the Machine. I mean, they were such huge pioneers to not only a style of music, but also the message that they brought. Like, Yeah, they, they, they really kind of brought in a different kind of um, approach. You know, obviously they were all mu- great musicians and the music worked. Right. But they had something, they, 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 they came with a purpose more than to melt your face off. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. You had to, you read it, read deeply into those lyrics and you realize they're just like dripping with just heavy, heavy topics. Yeah, Um, man. And, and, you know, Chris and I, we were both talking about this in pre-production before we started, you know, I remember watching their videos, you know, back in 92, 93, when they first came on the scene, man, it was, you know, it was eye opening. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it, 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 it really was eye opening. Um, so it, um, yeah, it's been nine years, right, Chris? Since yeah, they, nine they, years. They did, um, did their last show. Yeah, we researched it and their, their last show was uh, July of 2011. So, you know, it's getting real close to 10 years. I mean, you know, nine, a nine mm-hmm. year hiatus. Um, and you're right. I mean, I would see stuff on MTV as like a, you know, whatever I was, 14, 15 years old at the time. And it was just like. It was a little shocking, you know, because that was mm-hmm. just as I was getting into music and to see the, um, I guess, the the political stance that they took and the energy that they brought their message. It was, it, it, there was no doubt about it that you knew what they were talking about. They meant it 100%. Yeah, totally, and, man. And, totally. and they had so many people align with that message. And it, it's almost like these people that felt maybe as if they'd been oppressed, had this band that was speaking for them. And like, totally, man. You couldn't, totally. you couldn't change the energy of an audience. I mean, it was going to be crazy. And, and yeah. to, to watch the, even some of the live stuff, even now, like go to YouTube and watch, just go watch Rage Against the Machine in like 92, you know, 1992. I mean, it was insane. If you think metal shows are crazy now, like that, yeah. they were doing that decades ago. Right. And that's that that's the other thing that was the most jarring for me was that, you know, when you're 13 years old, you're not like reading the 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 Wall Street Journal and the New York Times and the Washington Post. And you're not like hip to things of the uh, political ilk, if you will. Right. Totally. So when you start getting exposed to that and they start tapping into this, especially for, you know, if you're a musician, you know, you feel like you're an outsider. Like you feel like you don't, you know, uh, there's not really a, nobody has a voice. Yeah. You know, you're aware that you're an outsider and you're trying to figure out like, where do I fit into this? You know, like, yeah. And then, you know, you get it. I I don't know if I, can't remember what song it is, but at the end where it's like, F you, I won't do what you tell yeah. me, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, 13, 14 year old ears are like, what am I listening to? Yeah, and totally. if you don't realize the, 
the emotion that's just dripping from these lyrics. Oh, you feel man. it, man. As a third, I mean, I, I vividly, vividly remember hearing that, man. You felt that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it, it oozes through the speakers and in the same way with their live performance, man. I mean, to me, you know, that's kind of where that's the magic, man. Right. When you get a blend of, uh, artistry and musicianship, right right you know that's where that's the that's the you know that's the synergy of it all and if you can capture that right then you're probably a world famous band quite honestly right well it made to me this is just my opinion everybody please don't please don't send us a bunch of hate mail it it made it made the bands in the 80s look like silly bands to me Right. Because all those bands were incredibly talented musicians. Yeah. Incredibly talented human beings. It's just cheese ball stuff, dude. It's just cheese ball stuff. You're just singing about, like, you know, lust and drugs. And when when a band came out with that much authority, it it made you question everything you listened to. You're like, totally, man. No one's going to do this, like, the same way, you know? And I tell you, there is a band doing it now. I don't know if you've heard of this band called Fever 333. I have not. I'll check them out. Dude, they same are like, of, I feel like they are, are definitely modern Rage Against the Machine. It is, it is crazy. And, and, I, and a, I know that's a huge statement. That's I will a bold send, statement. I will, I will send you some stuff. You need, <laughs> you need to hear this band. I mean, it well, is the same too. kind I mean, of thing. Educate like, me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, you know, obviously we can go down a rabbit hole of rage, but I just think that, um, you know, they're kind of the last of a dying breed type band. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there's just not a whole lot of bands like them uh, left around that can really freaking hit it hard when they play live. Because I guarantee but do you. But do you, you. But do you know why? Do you know why there's no bands like that? I have a theory. Here's here's why. Why? A, it takes guts. It takes guts to be a band like that, right? Yeah, totally. It takes insane guts. And, and, and two, it takes the ability to say, okay... I'm going to, I'm going to speak cleanly and clearly about my viewpoints Correct. in Correct. a democratic leaning and uh-huh. I don't care if I divide my audience. Most audience most most artists are scared to death of that, right? I don't want to divide my audience because like th- that's how I make money, right? But they they were so about a message that they cared less about what would happen to their audience and more about the vehicle to get that message out there. Absolutely, man. Um, they were they kind of pioneered that that whole taking a stance in their in their in their music kind of thing, you know. And I think that they kind of paved a they kind of paved a path for the entertainment industry industry, excuse me, to be more uh, vocal about political leanings. Yes, because I think you see it not only in musicians but in actors and actresses and. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's, it's, it's everywhere now. It's everywhere now. It's like, you, you know, you, you know, everybody thinks they have an opinion about something and they need, you know, people want to hear about it. Right. Right. So, Especially the way social media is now, you know, it's like, well, I, if I, if I can say something, I should say something. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, so you've got, you've got that going on. Um, I think the, the thing for me that, really kind of musically hit home with me was the biggest thing, you know, obviously the guitar is what I'm focusing on is 
the rhythm guitar playing. Right. Those are some of the greatest, dare I say, iconic guitar riffs in the pantheon of rock guitar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had one guy I worked right. with at the music store. He was like, if you listen very closely to these riffs that Tom Morello is playing, they are the modern rendition or a modern version or whatever you want to call it of Led Zeppelin. Like it was just that same ilk of like powerful rhythmic playing. Yeah, totally, man. I mean, um, you know, I think Led Zeppelin's a great analogy. I think, you know, ACDC is a great analogy, mm-hmm. you know, minus, you know, take out the, the, the political leanings and the, and the philosophical lyrical content. I'm talking about just rock. Yeah. Music. Right. 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 We're just talking about the, the musical part of the band. And I guess, I guess rage is hard rock. I don't know. Whatever. Right. Whatever, Chris, it's rock and roll. It's okay? rock and roll. It's, it's freaking rock. Dude. Yeah. So, you know, at a time, as you're to circle back around to what you're saying, coming out of the 80s, all this shredding guitar crap. Oh, I shouldn't say that because I like some of that stuff. I, so. I like it too. I like it too. I see. But if you, you can't compare Guilty the two, right? Guilty. Guilty. I mean, yeah, you know, we, we, so we. I, I shouldn't say that. Let me, let me, let me strike that for the record, sir. So we're, we're coming out of that and you get a band or you get a guy like Tom Morello who's mo- more focused about the, the the riff right as opposed to the improvisational you know yeah stuff right yeah although tom Morello is in a a fine world-class guitar player he can shred with the best of them that's not like his claim to fame is his shredding skills you know what i mean right totally. um it's it's taking the guitar to into a space to where it's not a guitar per se. It's a, it's an instrument, but it's not what a typical guitar player or, or you can't put it into a guitar box. Right. So, um, you know, me kind of was one of the, I guess the point I'm trying to make, it was like riff rock city that, that kind of reinforced, the Led Zeppelin. It's like, okay, this is kind of the evolution of it. Right. Right. Well, yeah. And it, I mean, also you're, what you're, I mean, I get what you're saying. Like the guitar took such a, a front role still is like in the eighties, the guitar was still like, yeah, cause they're, they're really a trio with a singer, man. That's right. It. There's, but, there's three of them making music. So. But you remember that he made so many sounds with the guitar that didn't sound like a guitar. And so much so that they had to put in the liner notes of the album that, Hey, all these sounds were created by a guitar. By yeah, one totally. man, right? I mean, like could, what yeah, you're I hearing mean, isn't a synthesizer, and people didn't believe that until they saw him live. Right, totally. Um, you know, they they um, he Tom Morello is a he's a gold standard guitar player because when you close your eyes and you play his stuff, you know exactly who it is. Right. Same for Eric Johnson, same for Andy Timmons, same for Pat Metheny. Schofield, all the greats. You close your eyes, you hear him play guitar, you know exactly who it is right. immediately. Right. If you know anything about music, right, within the last, you know, 30 years. Or even if you're a student of music, you should know who Tom Morello is because mm-hmm. he, you know, he did, a, he, he brought the guitar back into, into focus. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and more, more than just shredding. So, um, God, we just totally got off on a tangent here, but they're getting back <laughs> together. 
they're touring. Uh, however, uh, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, Chris. Uh, I know. Uh, I, re- <laughs> I read on the on the gram. Uh, Tom Morello was very adamant about trying to keep ticket prices reasonable. Reasonable. Right? We'll, we'll reasonable. use that. We'll use that word. That's a great word to use. Quote unquote. And yeah, I, you know, I know Tom's a good guy, man. I'm, I'm sure he he's not. All those guys in the band, I'm sure, are just fine individuals, and it's not about the money for them. But at this point, man, you, you're rage against the machine, man. You you are a fucking machine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, you've you've kind of almost turned into what your songs are talking about not doing or turning into or evolving into a machine. So you can't help it, right? Right. So you can't. Long story short, you know, there's been, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, a groundswell because ticket prices are out astronomically outrageously expensive. Yep. You know what I'm saying? They are. I mean, I mean, even if we, even if we, you know, if we were to go to, you know, Ticketmeister's website, I'm sure that the prices are, I think the last I checked, they were like well over $300 and you're right. I mean, they're, they're trying to make a statement to say, we're going to keep ticket prices down and encourages everyone to go out there and feel like they are not going to be taken advantage of from a ticket, you know, stance. But I mean, it's Rage Against the Machine. They've been on hiatus for nine years and the scalper aspect and whatever else may, may come from it. I mean, I get what they're trying to do, but you can't go away for nine years and be a band that huge and then expect tickets to stay reasonable. It just yeah, won't man, happen. It's not, it's not going to happen, man. So, uh, you know, I, I hope that they can figure it out because they're going to sell out everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. You're right. Everywhere, dude. Um, that is going to be a massive, massive money making tour. Yeah. Be huge. Huge. So, and, and not to mention, there's going to be an album coming too. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the word around the camp bar too. They're going to do a new album and it's, you know, maybe it's exactly, you know, what rock music needs right now is something like that to kind of, all right, guys, let me show you how to do this mm-hmm. right here. Mm-hmm. Right? Remind everybody how it's done for real. You know what I'm saying? Because those guys, man, they are the epitome of when you see them live. I've never seen them live, but I've, Obviously, I've seen them on YouTube. Right. Um, they are spot on live, dude. I'm talking like legendary stuff, man. You know, and that's, that's like I said, man, that's the magic sauce, man. If you can do it in the studio and do it live, you know, you're, you're cooking with gas. You know what I'm saying? Dude, totally. I mean, and not to mention, like, the sound that they had set the stage for bands like Seven Dust. I mean, they were there were so many bands that were influenced by that yep. sound. Even, even at the time, even though corn was happening at the same time, I really feel like they may have influenced corn even, you know, big time, man. Yeah. yeah. Especially, I mean, you know, uh, you got to think big rock, you know, big rock guitars, lots of building up to breakdowns and mm-hmm. stuff like that, you mm-hmm. know, funky syncopated rhythms. Yes. Stuff like that. But yeah. I mean, they teed up a lot of bands that followed, um, for sure. So, um, if you can, you know, if you guys can get out and check out the show, I highly, highly would recommend it. I wish they would come closer to, to Georgia, but it doesn't look like they're going to. And 
quite honestly, if ticket prices stay like they're at, man, I mean, jeez, I'd have to sell both of my children <laughs> uh, to be able to afford that. Yeah, it's expensive. Will you guys get out to a show, support Rage? They're doing a lot for the music industry still today, so you guys yeah, check it time. out. Hang tight. We're uh, we're gonna John and I are gonna get into the the heart of our episode here, which is some some really fun stuff that was was humbling for us. Yes, I think in, in the moment we it really definitely needed was it, both of us. Yeah, totally. it, it was it was awesome. Yeah, you guys hang tight, and we'll be right back. All right, you guys. So. You guys probably know, if you listened to the past episode, John and I were super, super excited to be going to a concert, uh, which we did go to uh, just a, what has it been now, two weeks? couple weeks yes. couple weeks ago yes, yes. um it was it was per, the periphery show at the masquerade uh yep. here the new in, masquerade the new the masquerade, masquerade yeah at, at uh, uh god you know rest in peace old masquerade um yes. it was uh periphery which has been a band i've listened to for about nine years now um and the the opening acts for the band which is one of them was a guitar player by the name of Pelini, which is a huge inspiration for john Oh my God! And now guy, I will man. say a huge inspiration for me. Oh, he and, melted your face! At I that mean, show, dude! Man. Oh my God! You see my face right now? <laughs> know, oh my God, man! God. It was did. crazy. Yeah, uh, and then the first band. So the first band was the the main first opening band was called Arch Echo. You yep. guys, please go listen to Arch Echo. Yeah, I, I was working great, out today man. to to an Arch Echo track called Bloom, and it was like it was blowing my mind. Like, yeah. I'm just I'm I'm doing my reps, and then I stop. And I'm listening to the song and I was like, oh, I should probably be working out. Like, I'm just like yeah, tuned out listening to Archeco. Yeah, amazing totally. show. I mean, Archeco yeah. put on an amazing Arch show. Archeco was great as well. But here's, here's what happened. And John and I felt some kind of elation while we were wow. standing in a room yep. full of people that were there to listen to musicians be musicians. And it was like, it, it wasn't, it wasn't 40 year old guys. It wasn't 50 year old guys. It wasn't yeah. just 30 year old guys. They were kids there, man. They were like, yeah. They were kids totally there watching did. this stuff go down. And we're talking about instrumental rock, instrumental metal, if you want to call it gent, whatever you want to call it. They were there to see musicians play, and it was humbling and so inspiring. It was, man. Um, it, that's, that's the, you know, like I, like I was saying earlier, man, that's the magic sauce, man. You know, when you can get the music um to speak for you and you don't have to have somebody singing. Now, obviously periphery is a little different. They, they're a traditional right. band. They've got, you know, some say the Kings of gent, if you will, but yeah, uh, they took you know, what, they took what Meshuggah did and made it more mainstream. Made for sure. More mainstream. Yeah. Brought, brought yeah. it to the masses, if you will. Right. So the other two acts playing and Archeco are strictly instrumental only. Right. And, you know, the guys that are in the band are super young. So, yeah, I think that's the, that's the thing. Like the fact that they were, they were young, right. You're saying that they were yeah, young. So like they're, 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 you know, cause we're old now, Chris, right. We are forties, bro. Right. Okay? Right. Forties. So, it, hurt, it hurts sometimes. It does, man. It's tough. But like, just to see the torch being passed on to a different generation of, of cats that are really into the right kind of stuff. Right. Now, whether or not, you know, that kind of music is your cup of tea is is fine. But people being there to enjoy musicianship, man, Mm -hmm. not to booty shake or twerk. Not there's anything wrong with that, people. That's what you're into. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? It's it's just 
um, having that kind of being in that, in that vibe and having that energy in the room, man, it's, uh, it's super humbling, man. It It really is. It was, I think the, the thing that, that got me was you're right. The the musicians were young too. So it wasn't as if these old guys were playing for these young guys and it it was young guys playing for young guys, you know, and it was totally a room full of people that were just so into it. And, you know, John and I, I think the reason for a couple, for, for a couple reasons, we were so inspired and so humbled for, for, for this, he and I share the same opinion that we feel that musicianship is slowly fading away. And we actually covered this in an episode. It, you know, yeah, you guys sure go back and take a, take a listen to an episode entitled the slow, de- the slow, de- the steady decline of musicianship. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And after going to this concert and seeing this, even though it's kind of niche and it was, you know, what, what, what do you think? There was a thousand people there. You yeah, know, uh, yeah. You know, it was thousand, twelve hundred. I mean, it was sold out. It was packed in there, and I think that it makes me want to reevaluate. You know where we believe musicianship is dying, and I would say that's mm-hmm. pop music, obviously, because mm-hmm. it serves sure. a different thing. We've talked sure, about art versus commerce. Right. Um, you, you've got a you've got a different word. You call it um, your art and your craft. Art and your craft, right? And so you have you know whether you want to. Focus on the craft part, which turns out to sometimes be commerce, which we know that's pop music. It doesn't have much room for musicianship. Um, And unfortunately, in some ways, that dominates what most people hear, you know. Totally. Um, But there is there is a market out there that's keeping musicianship alive. and, And I mean, John and I would just look around the room like this is so cool. Like, look what's happening yeah. right now. Yeah, it is. Um, and especially, you know, it being, you know, guitar centric for me, it's just super inspiring, man, to have, you know, the ability to kind of tap into those areas of the guitar that, um, nobody really is in the guitar business at this point, you know, especially with plenty. Um, and I got turned on his stuff a while ago, man. And it just, I was, I couldn't stop listening to it, man. It was just super inspiring, man. I mean, it's like a, it's not your typical, you know, gent genre stuff. It's really, it's a little more, um, he's got a little bit of touch of journey to it, man, where like a lot of the guitar riffs are just super singable. They're Mm -hmm. super memorable. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and also, I have been doing a lot of fanboying on plenty, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a problem. I'm not like going to be stopping this house <laughs> or anything here, in case you're wondering out there, but just in case, just in case, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. but no, you know, he is uh, actually a big dream theater fan. Oh, okay. So he kind of used a little bit of dream theaters uh, recipe for, he was saying how dream theater has the kind of reuse themes they do in their songs. Yep. Right. So he does kind of the same thing. His approach with guitar and his approach with his songs are kind of the, you know, he, he pays homage, if you will, to dream theater by doing that. So mm. he's got like this unique kind of formula for how he writes his songs, right They're They don't sound the same, but they have a, uh, it's almost like a piece of classical music, you know, they have this ebb and flow to it and you just kind of expect 
okay, something's coming to melt my face right here. Right. I don't know what it is, but right. I know it's coming. Right. You know, and it's just, so you got that, the rhythmic thing, but for me as a guitar player, what really dangles my dangle is, is just melodic sensibilities. Yes. Yes. John and I agree a lot on that. I mean, we, we love hard rock, we love metal, but when you can't find the the melody sometimes, like it just starts to gnaw yeah, on me, man. you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's almost like people listening to like freaking bebop, man. You mm-hmm. know, it's like mm-hmm. you put on a freaking, you know, a Freddie Hubbard, you know, cooking jazz tune to, you know, Joe the plumber. And it's probably not going to work. Right. He's, he's not going to be interested. So, you know, metal has the same type of, and invokes the same kind of thing. You know, you can't wrap your brain around it or you can't find the, can't find the center. Right. Right. That's, that's what I like about Pliny is like, it's, it's progressive and all that jazz, but man, it is so melodic, you know, a lot of jazz. He has a lot of jazz sensibilities. You know, his note selection is very, um, just super melodic and super memorable. It's stuff that you can, that you can sing. It's not just, you know, yeah. just flurries of notes. Um, it's done. I mean, he, he does that, but it's tastefully done. Mm-hmm. And I just think you've got the combination of virtuosic guitar playing with super, super virtuosic, uh, melodic capabilities. Yes. Cause that's what separates good guitar players some great guitar players is the sense of melody being able to capture a melody in your head and put it out on the guitar as a singer would sing it like a really good singer would sing a phrase or a line the guitar a good guitar player is going to do the exact same thing right yeah and i loved you know i know it's, it's a small thing but it, it was huge to me is just how modest and humble he was you know oh my god he'd brag dude, on his band and yeah. make great jokes about the band but he never referred to himself he never said his own name he said, you know, thank you for letting me do my, I think he, his exact quote was, thank, thank you for supporting me and let me do my mediocre thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like he used the word mediocre and I was like, dude, you are nothing you are doing is mediocre. Not, not, no. Um, the only thing that's mediocre, it was the PA in that place. That yeah. Was the only thing that was <laughs> yeah. Mediocre. For real. Uh, the PA is not the greatest at the masquerade. Let's just say that. Yeah. Sorry guys. But yeah. nonetheless, um, yeah, that just goes to show you where his bar is set at. <laughs> right, 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 right. If he's if he's thinking his stuff is subpar, my goodness. But you know what? That's good. That's what you know. Cats like him, such as himself, like just really world class players. You have to think that way, man. Like, or 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 else you're just gonna get you're gonna rest on your laurels. You know right. what I mean? Right. It can't be. Oh well, I know this is just some you know, next level shit here. And it's like, you know, you, you, that's, that, that's not the way you look at it. Right. And he's super young, dude. I mean, he's like, I think he's like 25 now or something like that. Wow. You know, just, I mean, just imagine young. you add a decade to this guy. Like what's he going to accomplish? What's it going to be? I mean, yeah. Wow. You, yeah. It's just, it's super inspiring, man. And I, and it, and he came along at a time to where I was kind of looking for something to light my fire on the guitar. And that guy did it for sure, man. Um, cause he blends all of the styles of music that I kind of, that, that are home base for me, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is, you know, progressive rock jazz and like, you know, that kind of 
you know, kick-ass virtuosic guitar player type thing. Right. You know, because when I... And that's not easy to do. I mean, it's no, like you it's can, you can it's one thing to say it, but like for someone to actually be able to do that and then also be able to employ a band that can that can actually... Not, I mean, it's one thing to do it in the studio. We know that in the studio sure. you could make it whatever you want to, but how do you move that to the stage and still make it interesting? I mean, that that's sure. what blew me away. Because, I mean, I had not listened to, to a ton of his stuff, but man, I was floored at how good it was. I mean, it, it was so it, well you know, uh, done like in a live, yeah. in a live aspect. Totally, I was just to- like, wow. totally. And, and the other thing that was super impressive, the freaking drummers in every stinking one of those bands. I mean, <laughs> my yeah. Lanta. Yep. Richie playing mm-hmm. with, with Arch Echo is a nut. I mean, he is, he plays with so much energy. Some of you guys, you, you need to follow him on Instagram. Cause not yep. only is he an inspiring drummer, this dude is all about, his own fitness, physical fitness. He's a kickboxer. I've been following him. I, I got into the dude just for, um, just, you know, I saw him doing some, some cool kickboxing stuff and, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast about, um, the importance of fitness. So as I've gotten into fitness, I, I came across the guy just cause I saw him as a, a, um, kickboxer. So I was like, Oh, I'll follow this guy and like check him out. So I start looking through his feed and, you know, here I find out he's a drummer and, and, yep. and insanely good drummer. So there's Richie. Yeah. And then you got a guy named Chris Allison playing with Polini. And I mean, it was like taking the same sensibilities, Polini, which was like gent meets jazz meets melodic, you know, his, his vocabulary on the drums was nuts. Yeah, man. It, it's, um, it's really a good, uh, it's it's all the stuff that uh, like I said it's all the stuff I would want in a stew, a stew of music if you will. So to kind of go back in in time here to take you a little uh, a journey in time, Chris. Mm, okay, let's go back. So when I first started at AIM, um, there was a guy named Jimmy Herring. Um, I don't know if we've probably talked about Jimmy before on the show. But Jimmy Herring was he's like the king of of like um jam band scene like mm-hmm. he's like the the a-list session guy for all that stuff um he was teaching at aim and i was really into him so i wanted to obviously go to aims in, in hopes of being a pupil of his mm. um he ended up getting the Allman brothers gig at the time so right when i started he he quit had to quit teaching because he was going on the road Anyway, as soon as I enrolled there, I was turned on to Jazz is Dead, which was a, amongst other bands he was in, you know, Aquarium Rescue Unit, Colonel Bruce, that whole stuff. But the one that stuck out the most was the Jazz is Dead. And it was all instrumental Grateful Dead tunes, but the music musicians in the band were all <laughs> heavy hitters. Yeah. You got Jimmy Herring on the guitar. Billy Cobham on drums on the first record, Ooh. Alfonso Johnson on bass, who was in Weather Report, and then T. Labitz on the organ and keys. And these guys are just, they're all world-class players, mm-hmm. and they're playing instrumental Grateful Dead covers. Yeah. And you're like, so, what? So I got a taste of high, high, highly skilled musicians playing instrumental music. You know, not quite as hard-hitting and heavy and progressive rock as Polini stuff, but same kind of inspirational fire it lit under me. Mm-hmm. Of just and, and not only going to, 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 to shows and seeing 
a rejuvenated crowd for instrumental music, man. Like people really paying money to go see world-class musicians just melt your face off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And not going to, you know, going to see freaking whoever the pop band or the country band or whatever it was coming through the, coming through town, you know, like that really changed a lot of, a lot of my priorities on the guitar when I got exposed to all that stuff. Similarly, you know, when I got turned on to Polini, it kind of just reintroduced me to what I really kind of, what is home base for me. And it's just like, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. Man? Like, yeah. It, it, you know, blending genres of music, but doing it in such a way that it is world-class. Right. It almost makes you, I'm sure when, you know, it happens rarely, but, you know, same for me, like bands or, or drummers, and I'll go, oh, there it is. It's it's still alive and kicking. Like, it's still there. You know, you just yeah, got to know totally. where to look. You know, got to know where to look, man. Yeah, and I, um, one, of the, um, one of the musicians uh, in Periphery, I think it was Jake, uh, one of the guitar players, uh, somebody asked him in an interview, do you, do you think rock and roll in general, do you think rock music is dying or is dead? Mm-hmm. And he didn't even hesitate. He was like, no, rock music is not dead. He's like, most people just don't know where to look. Yeah. In, in the past, it was easy to find rock music because that's what dominated everything. Like, I mean, all the way through the early 90s, like that was the thing that dominated all of it. So easy to find, right? I mean, you're going to come, you know, possibly even through the 90s, but as you get through the 90s, pop music, you and I talked about it, the shift in the mid-90s to pop music and how over the last 20-plus years, it's been so much pop music that now rock music is like falling by the wayside. But it's yeah, still it, there. You just have to know where to yeah, look. You just got to know where to look, and you're right, man. I mean, it's, you know, back in 92, 93, they were playing Rage Against the Machine on the rock radio station. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They were playing Soundgarden. Mm-hmm. They're playing, you know, playing corn. They're playing, playing Alice in Chains and, yeah. and Alice in Chains and, you know, uh, Stone Temple Pilots and all of these, you know, um, you know, rock bands. Yeah. Right. Rock rock band was a very, very much a part of pop culture at that time. Right. So. I totally agree with that, man. You just got to know where to look for sure. And it's good that when you, when you do look, you find stuff. It's, it's super reassuring, but yeah, man, I just felt like it re refilled my music tank going to that and seeing that, you know, that's golly, man, that's the dream right there, man. Being able to play music that you write and you create that you enjoy listening to. And it just so happens to be a lot of other people's favorite kind of music to listen to too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's yeah. The, I didn't expect to see good, an man. audience like that. It just, no, it was I didn't amazing. Either, Chris, honestly, I mean, I didn't think by the time Pliny was playing, dude, it was shoulder to shoulder in mm-hmm. that place. Mm-hmm. And, and people were into it. It wasn't like they were standing around like, okay, periphery can start any time now. You know, it's like they, they were just as into them as they were periphery. It was just like, wow. This mosh is, pit was going. Mosh was pit already. was going. Circle pits were going. Polini yeah. had a circle pit. And I, I think the band was laughing because it was happening. They were like, what? Yeah. What is going yeah. on here? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, but yeah, I did. I noticed a lot of kids like my daughter's age, like 12 and 13 there, man, mm-hmm. like just getting, oh, man, 
if I was 12 and 13 years old and I got to go out to a jazz show, or if Pliny had a clone of the same stuff, but golly, man, it would, it would just, it would have changed my trajectory in a, in a good way. Right. You know, just getting that exposure because what's going to happen is you're going to find out who Pliny is because of the world wide web that we all are fortunate to be on. Most of us, they're going to go research Pliny. They're going to see who he's into, who his influences are, and they're going to start the cycle. Right. 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 The rabbit, the rabbit hole will start for them. Right. So, and that's, that's really what, um, what it did for me, you know, so I, you know, and I've been working on, um, myself here, shameless plug here. I've been working on putting out a, a record, a CD. Mm. What is it called, Chris? What do the kids call it these days? It's just, it's just going to be a digital album. A digital album <laughs> of my own material. Thank you. Um, working on trying to get that out by the end of the year. That's a project goal I'm working on. That will have Chris Mathis on it as well. Ooh, I'm excited. Um, so I've, I, I've pretty much decided on, you know, what I'm going to do with it, how many songs I'm going to record, you know, and... I've kind of been saving a few to post this show to kind of come back with some inspiration and some fresh eyes or fresh fingers and ears and all that stuff. And it's, it definitely did it. It definitely did the trick. So, um, it, music is just good stuff that inspires you, man. Like it is so powerful, man. It, it is. is so powerful. It Chris. is. Yeah. I think that would be the takeaway. Just that right there would be the takeaway to say, like, like if if you ever have the opportunity to go see a great live band, go see a great live band. Don't hesitate, yeah. because yeah, it can don't. be it can it could make or break the inspiration that you receive from that could make or break the trajectory that you're on. It could change you feeling like, man, my playing is stale right now. I'm not sure what I need, dude. Every time I sit down behind the drums since that show. I feel like I'm inspired to try something else, try something new. And I'm just overall inspired. Like right. it's just, just that's all man. I need. It, it, it's, it's not about like trying to, Oh, I got to get my chops up. Lenny's chops, man, I'm way behind. No, 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 no. It's you finding something within yourself to inspire new creative ways of expressing yourself on your own instrument with your, with the technical facet you either have at the, at the time or what you're building towards. Right. Yep. Yep. You're, you, you, does that make sense? Totally. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's, it's not, you know, you're not trying to, um, cause I think guitar players are guilty of it. You, you just comparing yourselves to other guitar players, right? Oh, like, oh you know, uh, oh, they're doing this. I got, I, I really suck at that. I got to really hammer down. It's like, no, you need to find your own voice. That's mm-hmm. his voice. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, that, that's what I, that's what kind of, you know, uh, trimmed the fat for me a little bit was just honing in on what I'm good at and really finding creative things and letting the conduit for creativity flow through that. Right. I mean, that's, that's totally what it is. I mean, it's just being receptive. You know, I think that's, that's what John's leaning hard on that. It's like, just stay receptive. And sometimes the best way to do that is to put yourself in situations that you might not expect to be inspired. So I say that because I went there to, to be completely floored by periphery. And of course by Matt Halpert. I mean, he's, he's a drummer that it's one of my favorites and 
I knew that would happen. But what I didn't know would happen was that I would be in a room full of people that were so excited to see musicians be musicians, to play these instrumental, great instrumental songs, put on these shows. And I walked away from there really surprised because I was more inspired by the first two bands, not as if I, I liked them more or felt that Periphery put on a bad show. Periphery killed it. Dude, they they were slamming, dude. But the the connection that you could feel in that room with 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 Arch Echo and with Polini was just something almost emotional that you just couldn't explain. And that's the kind of thing that you take away from those live experiences or that you hope to. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it will definitely fill you up, like you say. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I think that that, you know, may, might be a might be a great way to kind of put a bow on what we're, we're talking about, man, is like, you know, uh, you get caught up in, you know, uh, your, your everyday kind of musical life, whether if you're on the road touring with somebody or if you're, you know, whatever your situation is, man, like it's always good to kind of get re-inspired by something, man, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and live music is honestly, it's one of the best ways to kind of recharge the batteries, man, is go out and seeing something like we saw. Yeah. Yeah. Well, take the time to get out there and do it, guys. I mean, it was John and I are are still carrying the wave of that inspiration with us now. And yeah, for um, sure. you you guys get out there and see see your see your favorite musicians, even you know, no matter what the music is, go see yeah, those those guys yeah. play. Support local music, man, cuz that's where it, where it starts. If it's a really especially if they're a good kick-ass band and they're local, my god. Get out there. Yeah. Get out there and see it, man, cuz that that'll that'll do it, man. That'll get the that'll get a get the Bunsen burner fired up, buddy. <laughs> for sure will. Speaking of Bunsen burner, John, we uh, uh-huh, we have uh-huh. a, a special song for today. Um since we decided yes, to talk about do. uh so we decided to talk about Rage Against the Machine at the beginning. John and I thought it fitting to feature one of their songs on our segment that we call Absolutely. What Makes That Song Great. What, so John, what, what, John, what, 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 All right. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Yeah, we're okay. We're okay. We're okay. Um, too much coffee today. Yeah. Um, so we're, um, we're featuring a Rage Against the Machine song. John, t- tell us about this song and, and tell me, tell me here, oh here's, here, here's, here's the, here's the, oh here, here's what I'm going to do. I'll spring this on you. Not okay. only will you introduce the song, but tell me what you felt and your impressions of that song, the guitar playing, whatever comes to mind. What was that impression that, that hit you first? The first thing that hit me was holy shit. Right. Literally. Holy shit. It was like, holy shit. And the song was? Freedom. Freedom by Rage Against the Machine. Right. So I bet you can't guess if I gave you three guesses how the song starts. I I pretty much just need one guess because I know it starts with a kick ass guitar riff and the band is crushing behind a a wall of sonic rhythm that is just like the the there is no there's nothing subtle about this. No, there's nothing timid. It is full of conviction and full of just conviction that is the word conviction right so that's that's the first thing that struck me was the conviction yeah in which they were they were playing if you will so obviously it starts off the band's in i mean just iconic guitar riff mm-hmm. as i was saying in pre-production chris i mean could could quite possibly be in the pantheon of great guitar riffs yes yes so 
you've got that hitting you, and then it comes into the chorus where it's this super funky, just backbeated, you know, fusion of funk, hip hop, and hard, heavy hitting rock blending perfectly together. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it works is because you've got Zach De La Roca who can really deliver the goods, right? Mm-hmm. You've got somebody who is delivering a very powerful message, one that I had never heard in music before. Yes. You know, Led Zeppelin doesn't necessarily go into the territory that Rage Against the Machine does, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. No one has, uh, I don't think. Albeit classic rock riffs, for sure. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm absorbing this as a, you know, white kid from Walnut Grove, Georgia, um, who not necessarily has been into the, the history of America and politics and all that stuff. So it is really, really, that's the first thing, honestly, it was like, holy shit. I remember, I mean, just the sound of the guitars, man. Yeah. Yeah. Is it's powerful, dude. It's powerful. What say you, Chris? Well, so for me, uh, a couple things that hit me is I remember seeing the first time I ever heard Rage Against the Machine was this song. It was this video on MTV. And it actually scared me a little bit because I had never seen a band play with what a young Chris would not know his conviction. It was so much energy yeah. that and they were playing with so much conviction that you didn't know almost how to take that. Right. I mean, a young mind is going to look at that and be like, what am I witnessing? But you couldn't look mm. away. You know, no. you just, you couldn't look away. It's like, because, it's like a bad car wreck, man. You yeah. gotta just, you're it, like, oh, and, and, and I'm telling you the video, you guys should go check the video out. Cause it tells a story about it's the, the Leonard Peltner case, right. And, and, and the American Indian movement, or it's referred to AIM, AIM. Um, and, and, and across the bottom of the video, I remember there's like, this message from the the case that took place about this guy, Leonard Peltner. And so the band's playing and this message is rolling by and it's just, they're playing in this small venue, which made it even more intense. You know, they weren't playing on a big stage and just the intensity throughout the entire thing was just, you couldn't look away. It was almost like a car crash. You're like, Oh my God. Um, of all the songs on, on their first album, obviously their first album is, is insanely great they all have their own special character, but this yeah. one I think has, has the most sharpened edge for that. For sure. I mean, this record, man, it paved the way for a whole new subgenre of hard rock. Yes. It right? did. There's no doubt that it did. I mean, it's almost like the big bang theory, you, you know, yours as small as a head of a pen. Then you explode into a ever expanding universe, Right. And that's kind of what Rage was, man. They just exploded. They had a big bang, and so much music exploded from them, right? So you, for me, and I'm sure you probably feel the same way, there was there was a deep, deep message, you know, that a 13-year-old outcast musician that felt like he didn't have a voice, that's obviously why you're playing your instrument, you've got these people that are writing songs that are saying, F you, I won't do what you tell me. Right. Right. You know, it's just, it's powerful, man. It's yeah. Like it, it's, it's not, there's not anything 
there's no rock band that there's no rage against the machine that's out for 12, 13 year old boys learning the guitar right now. Mm-mm. There isn't, there's, there's even this band that I've, I mentioned earlier, fever three, three, three. Yeah. That's not the same. It's, it's, no. it's not the same and, and it can't be, you couldn't compare a band to rage against the machine. Like you just, yeah. it, it, you can't. And, and that, I think that's the point. Like, you know, you, right. you, you shouldn't be able to compare when a band does what they did, what they're doing. You, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't compare. Yeah. Um, and, it's what makes them unique. It's what makes them continue to right. make a massive impression. Um, and, and man, like for them to come back with a new album, I mean, what, what is this album going to say? You know what I mean? Like they've always got such a strong, strong I message, mean, you know, and that's, especially in the, these times we're living in now, man, where everything is so tribal politically, man. It's yes. like you either think this way or you think that way, or I hate you. You're stupid. You need to die. You're wrong. Right. I mean, this is a band that's been stewing for nine years and not just Tom Morello, but Zach De La Roca is probably, he wants to kick walls down. No telling sure. what he's going to be talking about. Right. Yeah, and the political climate is so different. Social media, the, the rise of mm-hmm. social media and smartphones, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. The, the nine year gap there is just, mm-hmm. you know, most albums that would come out and be like, oh man, I can't wait to hear the new Dream Theater album. Like what kind of complex sure. yeah, odd yeah, time yeah. signatures yeah. they're going to yeah. have. Not many people go, I can't wait to hear what they have to say. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. It's, um, I mean, they've got that, they captured it, man. You know, like very few, you know, there's probably only a handful of bands, um, you know, in the rock genre that, that, that have the goods like, like that, man. You know, it's, it's the, the total package, man, for sure. Um, it, it, um, so to me, to kind of summarize what makes that song great for me, regardless of the, you know, the message, man, was the music, man, the quality of musicianship in yep. that band, dude. Yep. There was so much stuff going on being played by only three people. Right. And, and, you, know, and you know, I know I don't even right. have to tell you this, but pretty much 90% of that album was recorded live. Full band in yep. one room playing live. Knocking it out. Knocking it out. It wasn't this like, there was no freaking Pro Tools isolation. Like they were crushing that thing. Like that's why it feels like so energetic and so overwhelming because it was a band in the in a room just killing it. Yeah. Just, just straight freaking doing, doing, doing it the right, the right way, man. You know, not, not that doing it now is the wrong way. I mean, obviously they perfected it. It's like, you know, you know, it, that's just the way it is, man. But there's something about getting in a room with a bunch of dudes and just kicking ass in the studio, man, you know? And so I think that the combination of the riffs, the combination of the, the, the hip hop poetic vocal quality, I mean, dude, Zach De La Roca can like wrap circles around pretty much like 99.9% of the rappers that are in mainstream rap right now. Totally agree. Totally agree. And and if they're, if they were honest, they would look up to him. They probably would, would cite him as a, as an inspiration. Because I'm not talking about the ability to have good wordplay. I'm talking about to have all of it, wordplay, melodic flow, and have something to fucking say. Right, right. I mean, huge. I mean, right. You guys go listen to that first Rage Against the Machine album. 
listen to freedom. Yeah, listen, listen to, to all of them. I mean, Take the power back. Yeah. That, that whole record, the whole dude. record. I mean, I mean it, it just ahead. I mean, it's start to it's a start to finisher. It's a game changer. You should go listen for all you millennials out there that are listening to us. Yeah, but don't just listen. I w- I would encourage you to listen to this album with a purpose because the album sure. itself was made with a purpose. This is a band that had a purpose. So dig into the history of Rage Against the Machine and understand what they are, what they were and what they're going to be. Because if, if you don't do that, you're just listening to an album and it's just a small piece of of it. You got to understand what the band was. So do yourself a favor for sure. Totally. For sure, man. Uh, check them out. Um, just, they're a game changing band. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, just really excited that you and I got to go do that show together. Yeah, man. Uh, that was super inspiring, super fun. Hopefully, we'll be doing some more. Yeah, man. Um, we're um, we've got uh, we've got some stuff coming up later in the summer where we're going to be on location together. So um, yeah, we'll we got some doing, got some surprises, some surprises. Got some surprises in store. Um, but yeah, um, glad to keep the train rolling, Chris. Yeah, man. One more episode. Very excited. Uh, we're chugging into 2020. Really, really excited to keep rolling here. We're going to be, uh, visiting, uh, some onsite locations here pretty soon and doing some, some episodes on site, some studios mm-hmm. and some interviews mm-hmm. coming up. We're real excited. Can't wait to share that, uh, that information with you guys and, and break the news about what we've got coming up. But as we said at the end of last year, 2020 is just, you know, we're just continuing to build on the success of, of 2019. Yeah, absolutely. Gonna gonna keep uh, coming coming at you guys with with our our two cents of just about everything. Everything. So everything. Tell your friends uh, to listen, and if yeah. if you don't want to, that's fine. You just yeah. keep listening e- yourself. E- everything but politics, Chris. We're not. We're, this is we don't. We might talk about bands that had strong political leanings, but we sure. we ourselves will not share political things on here. There are too many people already doing that. Yeah, yeah. So y'all can find those out there, but. Uh, Chris, it's good to good to good to be with you. Good to be friend. back on it, sir, for sure. Let's uh let's get out of here and uh you guys we'll catch you next time. And we are out.